Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Alex Sherman, back from a two-week hiatus to all of you that missed the dulcet tones of my colleague, Ed Hammond. I'm sorry. I uh, Just email me. I'll give you his personal contact information. Uh, he did a great job as fill-in host here. But we're up to episode 42. And this week, I want to address a deal that isn't happening, but it seems like every other week, someone is reporting that it's about to happen. I'm talking about a takeover of Twitter. So far this year, Twitter's stock price has jumped 4.8% or more once every six trading days on average. And half of those stock pops are almost certainly related to market rumors or reports that Twitter is selling itself or is about to be the target of an activist shareholder who will naturally push for Twitter to sell itself. But as far as we can tell at Bloomberg, none of these stories have been correct. So what is going on here? We bring in Bloomberg Gadfly columnists Brooke Sutherland and Shira Oviday, who noticed this trend and wrote about it in a column last week. Brooke, Shira, welcome back to Deal of the Week. Thanks, Alex, for having us. Uh, okay, Shira, so let's start with you. Uh, basically, let me let me start with this. How did you guys come upon the idea of writing this? Like, who noticed this and who was looking into this? Yeah, it was interesting because we actually did a similar calculation about six months ago, and it was purely by intuitive feel that it just felt like Twitter is one of those stocks that is constantly spiking on takeover rumors or takeover reports that never turn out to be true. And when we looked at it six months ago, we, we were looking at a kind of a broader time period, kind of going back to 2014, and it wasn't particularly interesting when we did the analysis back then. And uh, there were twice uh, in the last week, again, reports that Twitter may be at some point thinking about kind of a sale. One of those was the Bloomberg television interview with Evan Williams, where he said something that was totally innocuous. At least it would have been innocuous had any other executive said it, which was basically Twitter's board has to consider any kind of options for the company. Evan and the Williams, stock, the, the co-founder of the, Correct, the co-founder yeah. of Twitter. He's the largest shareholder of Twitter. He's on the board of Twitter. It was seemingly a very innocuous statement. The day after he said it, the stock went up. And then there was a CNBC report uh, about Twitter's board meeting. And, and again, so we just reran the analysis to say, is this stock really this kind of plaything of perennial takeover rumors? And it looks like, at least this year, it has been. So I want to quote one of the lines, this is my favorite line from the, from the story that you guys wrote, which is, we can probably all agree that it's simply nuts for a company with a $14 billion market value to be roiled by takeover chatter as often as Twitter is. Brooke, what is going on here? I mean, I think it's just a matter of people really wanting, wishing, hoping, praying that this company might be for sale. Because, I mean, when you look at the fundamentals, it really hasn't given investors a lot to be excited about. There were a number of disappointing earnings reports. User growth seems to be slowing. 
it's just you were kind of hoping for something to get that stock up back to the levels that it was before the market cap took a serious tumble over the last couple of months. Unfortunately, it just doesn't really seem to be true. And yet there are a decent amount of $10 billion plus companies that are in trouble. And yet none of them come close, I think, to being reported on every six days. So there must be something in addition to uh, investors hoping that the company is bought about Twitter that makes it a takeover target? Is it simply that it's consumer-facing and buzzy? I, I think that's a large part of it. This is a, a company that clearly has value to a large segment of its users, including, frankly, me. I get a lot of value out of Twitter. And it's just such a high-profile company. And I think that gives it outsized attention compared to another 10 or $15 billion market cap company. So That's Brooke, also struggling. Brooke, you... what is the? I just want to press a little bit more on what you were saying. What is the state of Twitter's business now, and why is Twitter either likely or not likely to sell itself? Sure. I mean, I think Shira might be able to speak to this a little better than I can. But you know, I think the concern, if you are a big tech company, is that even after Twitter has fallen as much as it has, it is still very expensive. And it's sort of hard to make that justification that now is the time to buy when it doesn't seem like Twitter has figured out a lot of its problems with how to grow users, how to grow ad revenue, how to make its product relevant to a larger audience. And so if you are a tech company, why not just wait, see if it gets a little bit cheaper? I mean, there just doesn't really seem to be a big impetus to do a deal now, particularly when it is still very expensive and it's not really clear what you're buying. Yeah, and the, the the difficulty in the technology industry right now is that all the value is accruing to companies that have monopoly or near monopoly status in their businesses, right? So Amazon is, by leaps and bounds, the largest e-commerce player, and it, it's it shows up in its stock market value. Facebook and Google have huge numbers of users, billions of users, and that's reflected in their advertising revenue and in their stock market value. And there really isn't room right now for a company that's merely big, huge even, but not gargantuan. You have to be gargantuan to win in tech right now. What's interesting about Twitter, so just a little bit of background here, Twitter traded as high as $64.50 in January of 2014, not long after its IPO. Uh, now it's traded as low as $14 and change, and now it's about $20 a share. But it has hovered around that between, let's say, $15 and $20 a share uh, for really all year. And I'm wondering if Twitter is in some sort of Kafka-esque situation here where it is too expensive, as Brooke just said, but can never get low enough to be bought because of all of the investors mm -hmm. that think it will be bought and therefore add in some sort of M&A premium, thus pushing it too expensive to be acquired. Uh, is that possible? I think that's very true. So so l l let me take a quick step back here. Where are all these market reports coming from? Because it's not Bloomberg. We're not reporting Twitter's for sale. And it's not the Wall Street Journal and it's not Reuters. So who is reporting all this market chatter do we know i mean a lot of times it's not even reported it's just you know some of those services that are like hearing market chatter hearing market rumors it's not remotely clear where it's coming from but it's enough to send the shares coming or even when there are reports if you actually read them they're not saying that twitter is for sale like with the cnbc report 
they were pretty clear that this is an important board meeting where the board is going to discuss what's next for Twitter. And of course, you have to evaluate a sale. And, you know, I think David Faber said activists were maybe sniffing around the company, which, to be honest, you do with any kind of company that might be in kind of a rut. You wouldn't be a very good activist if you didn't look at that. And I think David Faber said as much. But still, people globbed onto that, that an activist investor is getting involved in Twitter and a sale is imminent. And I think there's a lot of reading into these reports when they're not necessarily saying the things people think they are. Why hasn't an activist already taken a stake in Twitter? Is it because they don't feel like there is a buyer for Twitter? And also, what would you do if you were an activist shareholder of Twitter? I mean, the, the company doesn't have a great strategy right now. It feels sort of stuck. The usual activist playbook um, asks don't really seem to fit here. Do you ask the company to buy back stock? No, you can't do that at a company that's presumably growing like Twitter. Do you ask them to start a dividend? No, that doesn't really make any sense. You could push for board changes or management changes, but Jack Dorsey hasn't been CEO this time around very long. It feels like you might want to give him a little bit more time to kind of see the playbook through. It just doesn't feel like there's sort of a clear uh, to-do list for an activist. And also, it's a large company. I mean, we've seen activists target the largest of the big cap companies, right? The sort of Microsoft and GEs. But Twitter's pretty big, and insiders hold something like 17% of the stock. So it's hard to do something there. Do we have any insight into what Twitter's playbook is? In other words, have they been public saying, this is how we think we can boost share price? I mean, their strategy right now is basically to put a lot of emphasis on live, that Twitter is the place for live events, right? So you've seen them buying up things like video rights for live uh, news and sports events, right? So Bloomberg Markets, we should say, um, our colleagues in Bloomberg Markets, is airing live on Twitter now. Um, the NFL, the Twitter is going to host some Thursday night NFL games, and alongside that we'll see kind of tweets related to the game and other content related to the game. And Twitter believes, and I think it's true, that Twitter has become this aggregation point for people to discuss events, whether it's about the presidential election or about sports or about the video music awards or things like that. So they're buying digital rights but they're not exclusive in the sense that maybe they're exclusive to digital, but you can find these things on television if you wanted to. So if you have cable TV. That's right. Right. Okay. So so they're really maybe they're targeting an audience that doesn't have cable TV. And yeah, this that's is right. another way of watching them. And to me, I think that's kind of an intriguing, uh, again, not I'm not trying to say that these people might buy Twitter, but if you think of Twitter as sort of um, an ad- adjacency to media content, that introduces kind of a different element to Twitter. Who might buy Twitter? I mean, the usual suspects that people talk about are companies like Google and Facebook, right, that are already humongous and that could really just absorb Twitter as an add-on to their existing digital advertising businesses. And, you know, those are also companies that have a lot of cash and are relatively immune from what their shareholders think of expensive acquisitions. So those are the usual suspects. Again, you could think about big media companies, the sort of Comcasts of the world, but it's all kind of speculative. What's interesting is sometimes private equity gets thrown out there as a buyer for Twitter, which just seems very surprising to me because this does not remotely fit what private equity typically looks for, that this isn't, Twitter doesn't make money. 
its revenue growth is slowing. It's not really clear what a private equity firm would do. It's enormous I mean, and therefore hard to lever up majorly. Yeah, you would have to have at least probably two players involved. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Theoretically, you could cut costs, but does that give you a great return on your investment? Probably not. I've always wondered when we were talking about, Brooke, you mentioned that it's sort of unclear sometimes what this market chatter is coming from. Uh, so I think some people oddly see it on Twitter uh, about this market <laughs> chatter and then they invest. Or maybe they're seeing it on other services. Maybe, I mean, you, the Bloomberg actually terminal links to Twitter so you can mm -hmm. see it through the Bloomberg terminal. Uh, and I have, I've always been curious what that means. What does market chatter mean? Who is chattering? <laughs> Who is the market? I I, I've never known what that means. This maybe, creepy echo chamber. If someone is listening to this that can tell me when we see market chatter and there's no story, uh, like what that is exactly. I, the, the only thing I can I can possibly conceive is that the stock starts to run up for an unknown reason, and then someone says it's market chatter, not knowing what it is, really. That's or the only thing I've ever been able to come up with. One company I will throw out, in addition to the ones you mentioned here, as a possible buyer is Verizon. But I don't think that that will happen until the Yahoo deal closes. But I did speak to someone not at Verizon, these are indirect people, um, that told me that they think it might be Verizon's plan to uh, acquire Twitter and sort of package that in with Yahoo and AOL as Verizon sort of uses a strategy of buying up struggling digital media <laughs> companies and and becoming the uh, you know stronger number three player in digital advertising to Facebook and Google. So we'll have to see. But again, that that wouldn't be happening anywhere close to soon because Yahoo would have to be that deal would both have to close and then be integrated into AOL, but likely before. Twitter, you you would think at least. You never know though. Now you might send the stock up. About That's true. That tomorrow, this, you're right. yes, if you're listening to this, Verizon <laughs> is not going to buy Twitter. <laughs> that is right. So so look that so that leads to maybe my next point, which is two episodes ago, Ed and Jeff McCracken, who's the uh, global deals executive editor, talked about tiering sources uh, in terms of. Uh, reporting on M&A so that there's sort of top tier sources and you can believe these reports. And then there are sources that are sort of second tier. They're sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. And then there's third tier, which is just don't believe them at all. So what is the broader lesson here for investors listening to this? I mean, I like to say don't, don't trade on anything unless it's Bloomberg or one of our top tier competitors, I suppose. Is there sort of a broader lesson than that? In other words, did you guys run the numbers and figure out if you shorted Twitter uh, every time, like uh, one of these things were announced, how much money you would make? So my colleague, Tara LaChapelle, who also covers M&A, did a study uh, a few years ago about M&A rumors and that it's actually better to short the rumors and and rather than bid on them. And I think she might take another look at that at this point in time. But I, I mean, there are so many rumors out there. I have alerts set every time a company gets mentioned in terms of a takeover rumor. In my inbox, I think I get like a thousand of those a day at least. And you see a lot of the usual suspects jump up. And to be fair, in this latest M&A wave, we have seen a lot of traditionally speculated M&A targets get acquired. So you do never know, you know, with all of these. And sometimes there'll be completely random sources that come out with these rumors that end up being true. But you kind of have to pick and choose. And with a company as often speculated as Twitter, does it make sense to buy into every time there's a rumor out there? No, probably not. In fact, the opposite is true. But this is the problem with Twitter is that eventually 
it really might be sold, right? Or that somebody like Google and Facebook, again, who we mentioned, that have endless amounts of resources could just take a run at Twitter no matter the price. Or somebody could decide that Twitter is too much of a risk to its own media business or whatever and uh, and offers to buy it. It's just, that's the wild card is that some rich company will just place a takeover offer. I mean, I'll... I'll, I'll put you guys on the spot to some degree what do you think is the likely end for twitter so i can tell you this that almost all of my uh banking sources tell me twitter should be acquired that's the end goal for this but they all also say it's too expensive and therefore won't be so i don't where does that leave this company it's in some kind of zombie tech land that's in zombie tech land but oddly a 14 billion dollar zombie tech land company so it's not in the Groupon Yelp no. category of zombie tech companies. But again, this is sort of what we were talking about earlier. Usually what happens to those Groupon Zynga companies is that they end up really falling off the table in valuation-wise, and they just sort of hover. You know, Twitter, I suppose, has fallen off the table from a valuation standpoint if you turn back the clock a year or two, uh, but may just hover around this $14 billion valuation. I, I mean, to me, the lesson for the lesson for other richly valued tech companies from from a company like Twitter is what if Twitter had gone public at $10 billion? And instead of running up to, I think the peak market cap was $40 billion, what if it, it had been a $10 billion market cap company? Then I think the bar for success for Twitter would have been a lot lower. And I don't know, if I were sitting in the boardroom of Uber or Snapchat or Dropbox, these other private tech companies that have very large valuations when they're still private companies, I may look at Twitter as a cautionary tale because it's, again, it's a danger of setting expectations from investors and setting those expectations too high and it being impossible to live up to those high high bars. One thing Brooke mentioned is that while this, this company is not a traditional private equity play, sometimes what happens to media companies that have some sort of uh, vanity or ego play because they can use it as sort of a broadcasting tool is that they're acquired by billionaires. Mm-hmm. And one name that has been attached to Twitter a lot is Steve Ballmer as a potential acquirer. So, in fact, an, another one that this isn't traditional private equity, uh, but is was an early investor, is an early investor in Twitter, uh, is Andreessen Horowitz, Mark Andreessen, who, in fact, did look at uh, at least acquiring a stake in Twitter with Silver Lake several years ago. So I, I suppose that is a possibility for Twitter. But again, if you're dealing with a $14 billion company and then you would need to put a premium on top of that, uh, you know, Steve Ballmer's a rich guy, but I don't think he's going to shell out $20 billion for a money losing company. No, he's distracted now with his basketball team and that other too. things. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Unless the Clippers really uh, gain value quickly, um, <laughs> uh, an insane amount of value using Twitter's technology. Uh, Shira Oviday and Brooke Sutherland, Bloomberg Gadfly columnist, talking about. The plight of Twitter. We'll have you guys back on when Twitter is eventually sold in 2072. Uh, Hopefully I'm not still doing this. Yeah, that's right. I I hope we're all not still doing this then. Uh, Thanks, Thanks, guys. Alex. So that's it for this week's episode. You can expect more Bloomberg reporters and M&A professionals who are doing deals real time. And until then, find us on the Bloomberg Terminal and Bloomberg.com, as well as on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Please take a minute to rate and review the show while you're there. And also feel free to email me about any comments or concerns at asherman6 at Bloomberg.net. Also follow me on Twitter at Sherman4949. Brooke Sutherland is at B-L-S-U-L-T-H and Shira Ovide at 
S-H-I-R-A-O-V-I-D-E. See you next week. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.